A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means that adult language is probably going to be present, just so you know. Hey there, you're listening to A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary people living revolutionary lives. Welcome to another episode, my BBs. I am so glad you are here. I am so glad that we are queer and we just having the best time, aren't we? Um, A little bit of fun stuff. We are finally up and running 100% with Queerly Beloved. So if you haven't already, go over to www.queerlybeloved.shop. Get your stuff on. Go check out the Instagram. It is popping over there. And by the way, if you go to my newest YouTube video, which is me reading the homophobic comments that people send me on the YouTubes, um, you are going to find yourself a little coupon code. So go check that out. Get the coupon code. Come hang out. It's going to be so good. Um, this week on the podcast, we've got my girl, Garla Sophia, a.k.a. La Mechuda. She's honestly like one of the inc- most incredible humans I've ever met in my life. A little bit about her. She's a lesbian woman, a Latina, and a believer and lover of Jesus. For many years and after a lot of hurt and pain, she, you know, like many of us, believed that her sexual orientation and her faith were mutually exclusive. Now, basically, after learning and researching and really coming into her own, she believes that this isn't the case, that it's possible to be queer and Christian, and she wants to show the world that LGBTQ people can live out spiritual, real, connected lives to Jesus in true and authentic ways. So, welcome to this space with her, where she intends to basically, you know, debate you, analyze your shit, and question what you think you know. Um, She is a graduate of the uh, Reformation Project National Leadership Cohort, and she's also currently pursuing her studies in biblical sciences from the Latin American Biblical University. So go ahead and grab yourself something to drink, go grab yourself a little something, something, and let's dive into this conversation with my friend Carla Sofia, a.k.a. La Mechuda. Well, basically, uh, I'm a woman that got tired of waiting that we here in Latin America uh, have resources about LGBTIQ inclusion in churches, in, in Christianity. So basically, it was like, okay, we don't have content in Spanish. Uh, I read uh, God and the Gay Christian, Matthew Vines, and I read all other books, all them in English, basically. So I got tired of waiting to somebody to start doing something in our region and basically I did it. <laughs> I've been creating blog posts and video content and I also started a podcast just to, to have this type of content because when I grew up, when I uh, basically uh, understood that I straight and that I still love God and, and I didn't need to, to choose between uh, my mental health and my spirituality so uh yes so basically yes i started this project that is under my nickname uh, la mechuda Uh, that is basically means Mm -hmm. the girl with the big hair (laughs) nothing deep Uh, yes (laughs) that's that's what it means so uh, i started creating content i was part of the trp cohort leadership cohort last year and I actually learned about that cohort because of you. <laughs> so it's, yeah, <laughs> so it's quite interesting how last year turned out to be. <laughs> yes. The mm-hmm. year. 
which is so exciting for me to see because it's like you said, there's not barely any content mm-hmm. in Espanol. And um, also like when you were working on like, you know, movements for equality, we want it to be like the people who it directly affects. Um, so in your like work in Latin America, um, I know that in your home country, it was like the, it was like not safe mm-hmm. for you. So you are currently seeking asylum. Exactly. Right? Yes. I from Nicaragua in Central America, but I have to live basically literally from one day to another uh, for security reasons. Uh, my country is currently having like one of the worst uh, social political crises. Uh, so since April, basically the government decided that it was a great idea to start killing people just because we didn't agree uh, with them. So I had to leave. Yes, they knew where I was living. So it was really dangerous. So I came here to Argentina uh, with my girlfriend. Yes. Mm. y'all how long have you been together (laughs) almost two years yes and in and in lesbian years that's like uh i don't know (laughs) (laughs) you guys have already uh you've u-hauled a few times and uh probably adopted eight children (laughs) yes yes of course like it's the cliche it's actually true i don't know why but like we started living together like when we were like two months uh dating time yeah it was it was super weird yes it was extremely fast <laughs> well i don't think it was super weird as much as it i think there is just this ability mm-hmm. that queer people have where i think we see people we just okay. connect with and we just know instinctively like this is these are my Mm -hmm. people. This is who I could live with. And like, you know, at first, like who we are in that moment is probably, yes, I can do that. I know for me, like I moved in with my partner after Mm -hmm. five months and we broke up after 10 months, but it was one of those things where it's just like, I didn't really have any hesitation because I knew like, I don't know. I feel like we're afraid. We're less afraid to Mm -hmm. say yes, which can be a good or a bad thing depending on the situation, I guess. It's true. Yes. Um, It felt natural. It was like, um, I won't say that I was not scared because when I came out, it was like, for me, it was like impossible to actually find uh, somebody to actually share a committed relationship. Uh, So I won't say that I was not scared, but it felt natural. Yes. It was. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, When you started like writing stuff and creating content under La Machura, um, what was just the general, um, what was kind of like the general conversation that was already happening? Or were you like the first person in Latin America who really started jumpstarting this conversation? Because I know it's like, you're one of like the only fairly visible uh, queer women activists in Latin America right now. Yes, actually, uh, I actually found like a, a word uh, file in my computer that it was like from six years ago that I was just me. It was like something like a diary, diary just telling me that you have to do this. There's nobody else talking about mm. this. Uh, don't be scared. You have a purpose. Um, you don't want any, anybody else to suffer the things that you suffer. And it was like six years ago. But uh, to be honest, it was uh, hard for me to actually uh, do the, make the first step. I was super scared because... Yes, basically, no one in Nicaragua right. was talking about this. Uh, back in Nicaragua, they see like the LGBTIQ people like the other. We don't have a face. 
we don't have story, we don't have a life. We're just like this group of people, like really, yes, homogeneous group of people that basically it, we don't deserve anything. So, and of course, they people back in Nicaragua assume that they don't know any LGBTIQ folk. It's like, uh, so when I start thinking about this project, I knew that I had to to be public about my story that to put my face uh in the videos and and tell my story because it is so for me uh stories have much more impact than theology or to have like a really deep theological discussion is not that important as to like hearing about people's stories so it was hard right. for me to do, to make that first step but when i uh started the uh, the trp leadership cohort it was like okay it's now or never <laughs> so it's now or never and mm-hmm. i launched the first video and actually uh it went i launched it in facebook uh, instead of youtube and but it was i, I didn't know it will cause that much of an impact <laughs> so of course i i had right. the first negative comments of course you're a sinner of course you're tricking people uh of course you're satan's i don't know satan's uh, Satan, Satan's mm-hmm. agent, of an course. agent of Satan. You have a blood of a generation mm-hmm. on your hands. Exactly, yes. And it's like mm, cute. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but I said like, okay. Uh, but at the same time, I start receiving these uh, private messages from, especially uh, young people from across Latin America, telling me that they are so grateful that. Uh, they found me and that, that it was the first time that somebody mm-hmm. was talking about uh, Christianity and LGBTIQ inclusion because uh, uh, they knew that they were gay or bi or lesbian, etc. So, uh, but they haven't found like uh, somebody that were telling them that you don't have to stop being a Christian or stop being like a, a spiritual person and be LGBTIQ. Mm-hmm. So... The positive comments overpass the negative ones. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's so heartening and also like so interesting. Where it's like it doesn't matter where you go, the narrative seems like so similar in some ways because there's always mm-hmm. going to be the conservative voices saying, uh, "You know, you're not you're not believing truth. You're you're taking the Bible out of context. You don't like mm-hmm. you know." And you're creating your own God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also just like Latin America is still fairly, um, still fairly mm-hmm. Catholic, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, South America, actually Central America. It's yes. Uh, most people are Catholics, but for tra- tradition, it's like they mm-hmm. don't actually attend the church. Right. It's like my parents are Catholic, so I'm supposed to be a Catholic. Uh, but since the eighties, uh, Central America has become one of the most evangelical regions really? in the whole America. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And what was that? Where did that influence originally come from? I know that you've done so much research around this. Like, how did that influence start coming in? Well, basically, uh, since Central America has suffered so much since the beginning of time, since our independence, mm-hmm. it's like we haven't had a break. It's like war after war and dictatorship after dictatorship. So, of course, in the United States, sorry, not sorry. No, of course, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. yes, due to political reasons, uh, it started basically. 
getting into our our region because they wanted to have like power uh, in our resources, like mm-hmm. uh, yes, our natural resources, and of course they wanted to create the Panama Canal. So mm-hmm. right. basically, they mm-hmm. so at one point in the last century like 90% of Central American countries were under um, uh, a stream right uh, government uh, that of course was really close with the United States. So, but people start emerging like liberation theology emerged in Latin America. Uh, Actually the first convention was held in Colombia, the Medellin convention where basically it says that the church needed to be part of the social justice movement and that uh, they need to stop just praying and actually being with the people and they had to ally themselves with the working class uh, to stop this uh, injustice. So basically this like such a big movement movement emerged and start uh, like uh, having a lot of impact in Central America and people will start realizing that they didn't have to just accept their their their, their life and mm-hmm. accept the the, the 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 treatment that the powerful people were basically giving them. So uh priests uh, in El Salvador, in Nicaragua, uh allied themselves with the uh these guerrillas that emerged to fight this uh extreme right government. Uh and of course, that scared the people in power. So, mm-hmm. uh, lots of uh, really evangelical and fundamentalist missionaries start arriving to our region back in the seventies, eighties, mm. just to to fight this the, the liberation theology and basically say that no, you only have to care about Jesus and you only have to care about your soul. You don't have to care uh, because suffering is part of the of Christian Ugh. life, so you have to yes, of course. So you have to accept uh, accept your suffering. It's what Jesus uh, wants what, for you. Uh, mm-hmm, exactly. So uh, Jesus doesn't care about the poor or or yes, social injustice. No, you have to care about your. You only have to care about your soul. So yes, a lot of uh, Christian fundamentalists, evangelical missionaries came to our region back in the eighties. And of course, people were, have been suffering for decades. So if somebody come to us and tell us that, well, it's true, maybe uh, I have to accept my suffering and I just have to trust in this God that will give me eternal life and will give me salvation and will give me everything that I want to in the next life. It's mm-hmm. like, <laughs> so, yes. Most, uh, so there's what, like the boom of the evangelical movement started in our region. And right now it's sad because for example, in Nicaragua, in my country, the denomination that have the most power uh, are basically, so uh, I don't know how to say in English, sorry, uh, Bautistas del Sur, Mm. Southern Baptist. Ah, yeah. Yes. Oh, gross. Mm -hmm. Yes. And yes, basically that's the denomination that has the whole Evangelical power in in Nicaragua. We don't have Methodists. We don't have Anglicans. We don't have. It's it's like the Catholic Church and Baptist, basically. <sighs> yeah. Yikes! Wow. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that history lesson. That I think 
many of us should probably know better because like, we need to be more aware of the world. Um, something you mentioned in your presentation at TRP back in October that I thought was so interesting too, is that like, um, it was like during like the seventies and eighties that you had this big influx of mission work and like, you know, you know, human, like it was like, uh, basically colonialism dressed up like humanitarianism, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then you said yes. like, as soon as like civil unrest started happening, it's like, oh, we're not going to send our mission trips there. Oh, we're not going to send like resources mm-hmm. there. People just kind of like disappeared once like unrest started happening. Yes. And I got so mad because, uh, a few years ago, I used to work at American Airlines. I was uh, one of those people that you yell at when your flight is canceled. Oh, no. so, <laughs> yeah, so I was back at the airport in Manawa, and it was pretty funny because in July and in August, you will see a whole plane just filled with missionary groups. Like, but you will see like three or four uh, missionary groups uh, from the States, the United States, of course. Mm-hmm. And all of them will see us like this little country that, of course, needs all these people just to talk about talk uh, us about Jesus. But it was pretty funny because they didn't know each other. It's like they, they, they were really separate groups, but Basically, the, we don't. We're only six millions in Nicaragua. They will probably will be talking to the same person like <laughs> twice. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, and it was it was pretty funny because uh, once everything started, like last April, mm-hmm. uh, airlines had to actually cancel several flights because people weren't coming to our country. Mm. Like. Uh, for example, American Airlines ha- had like five or six flights from the United States to Nicaragua and they only left one hmm. because people weren't coming. So it was like, okay, so when we actually need your help, when we actually need the humanitarian help, you don't come. But you come when we were actually a really stable country. So, yeah. and we of course have churches and we know about Jesus. It's not, they will be the first time that we hear about him, but basically, uh, you think that we need you, you, the white savior to save us mm. as the brown skinned people. So mm-hmm. I was actually really mad when that happened. Yes. Say that last part one more time. I was actually pretty mad when, when I realized that, mm-hmm flights had to be canceled because people were coming to our country when I knew that uh, July and August were the months that most mission trips came to our country. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, it's not surprising, I suppose, because, like, I, I grew up in that culture where I was just like, hey, we're sending all of our kids. Are you going on the Nicaragua mission trip? I remember in high mm-hmm. school, like, that was the thing to do. And if you weren't going on the Nicaragua mm-hmm. mission trip, are you really a Christian? Um <laughs> And uh, on this side of things, or Costa Rica, oh, or Costa, Costa Rica. Rica. What was the other one? Um, mm-hmm. We had some people. Uh, I think it was um, different parts of Mexico, like right on the, um, like a uh, Ensenada. I think was a big one for some people. In my Ensenada, country. yes. It's just mm-hmm. so. It's. A, I mean, like interesting as a word for it, but just like it's just like, I think about my own mission trip life when I was in Eastern Europe and Southeast Asia. I'm like, when I realized how much bullshit it was, I'm just like, what am I doing over here? Like mm-hmm. these people know Jesus better than I do most mm-hmm. of the time. Yes. They're actually like, <laughs> yes. to rely 
on that grace, on that, you know, on the spirit of God to, to do things. And on top of that, they're also not lazy and they're, mm-hmm. they're, uh, actually like making moves in their country to make their people better, or at least trying to survive. Like, I don't know anything about that. And it was just like such a big misstep on my part. To, to, and th- yes. To and meant- that's the issue. Yes. And that's the issue that the issue is not that we don't want you to come. It's like, no, don't come to our region. The thing is that it's not what you do is why you do it and how you do it. Mm-hmm. Basically, because uh, it's one thing to actually say, okay, I'm going to help uh, churches back in Central America, for example. But the thing is, it's one thing to help, and the other thing is to patronize, to yes. think that we, that yes, that we need you. Like, no, it's like work with us. Mm-hmm. So it's, again, if you want to to have a trip in Central America, don't see us as your project. Mm-hmm. See us as people that are already working in the region, that have leaders and Basically, ask the leader how you can help, but don't because it was it's pretty funny because uh, when in my evangelical years I actually helped uh, shorten mission groups as a translator, and it was funny because we were a group of leaders, like we loved Jesus, we loved God, and we knew a lot about the Bible, and the only thing that we were doing is translating. It's like uh, there's an, a group that don't know about our culture, about our people, and they are the ones that are bringing the message and we are only just translating. Interesting. So, mm-hmm. And yes, I see the pictures back in, in, in my evangelical years and just me, just there translating what this guy or this woman that actually was the first time that was coming to Nicaragua was going to say something really relevant to our people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So um, Mm -hmm. switching gears ever so slightly, um, I'm curious, um, I were to to, to be an LGBTQ person in Latin America is certainly like a a different flavor or a different experience in other Mm -hmm. places. So um, for most people who are coming out in Latin America, I assume it's a little bit because the region is either Catholic or Baptist. A lot of people are struggling to Mm -hmm. find that balance between faith and sexuality, Mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's super scary, <laughs> and and not just if you're a Christian or uh, that it's like the double of work, but basically, for example, I always uh, quote Clara Morgaday, that is an evaluator and trainer in gender and development. She's from Spain, but she visited our region like two years ago, and basically, in her report, she says that Central America is a hell for the LGBTIQ community. She actually says that, yes, that due to the high levels of stigma and discrimination, Mm -hmm. uh, during an interview after her visit, she mentioned that worldwide Guatemala ran first in numbers of transgender murder, followed by Honduras and El Salvador. And it's it's not surprised. This is not a surprise for us because Guatemala also ran first as the most evangelical country Hmm. in the region so yes uh, i will not say that yes i will say it it's not a coincidence it's 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 of course the the the, it's it's a correlation yes 
Uh-huh. Where there's like, you know, because yes. there is like evangelicalism informing culture, because what's so interesting too is like how evangelicals will be like, I'm not of this world or just like, you know, we're not, we're, we're not a part of this world. We gotta be countercultural. I don't know if they say same things like that similarly in Latin America. That's like certainly the ethos in the Southern United States, but like, mm-hmm. it's this feeling of just like, we have to affect and control every aspect of culture. Otherwise you know, uh-huh. Satan's gonna win. Uh-huh. And that's the yes, of course, because you are, you are, you, yes, you are in your evangelical bubble, and you have been told that the war, the war, uh, like for example, I don't know how you say it in English, but in in, in Spanish is el mundo or uh, like yeah, everything that is in the world. Ha- yes, being in the world, yes, and of course you do. Uh, you actually think that if everything that is not the church is just basically evil or innately evil. So yes. And it's, it's sad. It's, it's super, super sad. And uh, I'm getting emotional because it's, it's hard to, mm. to, to be, yes, to, to, to be in this region. And, and it's hard because you love your country. You're, thought to, to love your country and your people. But uh, back here in Argentina, when I see that it's a country that it's super advanced in LGBTIQ issues, it was actually the first one that got marriage equality in mm-hmm. Latin America. So, and see that back in Central America, we're so far behind uh, in every aspect. Yes. And I actually said this in at the TRP conference, but basically, I know that maybe I won't be alive when there's, for example, marriage equality in Nicaragua, or at mm. least that we are recognized as people. But I'm just <clears throat> thinking about paving the way. And like I said, maybe I know Moses, but I'm just working for the Caleb's and Joshua's. <laughs> yeah. Girl, you better say that. And I think like in so many ways, I feel like, like you are like like the very beginning of that, that Moses moment, right. Mm-hmm. Where you get to stand up and say like, Hey, like let my people go. And like, now it's like, you're just now starting to get like the traction of it. So I'd say that like you are a Moses in, in many ways. And you're also like, uh, you know, you're like, a. am trying to, I don't want to compare like different like historical figures because just like that all has those Im- and own implications, but like you are, in my mind, and I think you are going to be like when I think when history books are written, you're going to be a voice that people remember because, you know, you're doing the hard work of being first and giving people the kind of permission to go second and to see somebody like, like to see somebody like yourself is the thing that sets people free. It's just like, I, like, I didn't know that I could be queer and Christian until I saw somebody else doing it who, you know, resembled me i didn't know that i could wear like lipstick in public and still i saw another bearded guy wearing lipstick so it's like all these different moments of giving permission to people to just do their thing and i know it's also very different because like in your like in your region like if i was like out being like all dolled up in makeup just like that could put a huge target on my back because like it wouldn't be safe yes yes Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And for example, that's why visibility is so important. And that's why I decided to tell my story and to be completely honest. Uh, 
about who I am and where do I come from? Because like, yes, I, I can talk about theology, but people, I, I have had really interesting messages because here in Nicaragua, since it's a really small, well, not here in Nicaragua, not in Nicaragua, but, mm-hmm. uh, but in Nicaragua, it's a really small country. So you know, everybody, it's mm-hmm. like, at least, you know, that's the cousin or your aunt, or, you know, you know, everybody. Yeah, some so, kind of connection there for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So uh, my mom, it was, was the principal of one of a, a really uh, important Christian school. Hmm. So I was not known as Carla Sofia. I was known as the daughter of this particular principal. So it was, it, it, it's, it's powerful because I have received messages from people that were like, I studied where your mom was working and it's such an impact that you are being so open about this because I'm also struggle, struggling with my sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. And, and just to put a face that I know that it's people know about you and your story. It's so important. So I actually also had people that where I work in a youth camp and I was a counselor that's that's extremely irresponsible to be honest to have people mm. 16 17 years old just counseling me. <laughs> uh, it's super irresponsible but yeah. it happened <laughs> yeah. and people were telling me that I remember you were my 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 counselor uh, back like 10 years ago and now I see you and it's I feel good about myself because mm-hmm. I'm actually also gay or lesbian or bi so right. yes I will say that it's scary if you don't want to come out you don't have to you take mm-hmm. your time every story it's a unique story uh but at one point i will never stop thinking that visibility and just being open and honest about our life is the best yeah. uh resource that we have mm-hmm. yeah there was something i was listening to matthias's podcast and he was talking mm-hmm. about how or his guest uh bishop gene robinson was talking about how the reason like there's not a whole lot of movement towards equality is because people don't know that we have already existed in their midst for so long Mm -hmm. so like to be visible is not only like this revolutionary act or this like way of really uh like it's it's revolutionary on on a few counts like a like once people see you and know who Mm -hmm. you are um it's harder to hate i think in some Mm -hmm. ways like when you have that personal connection like and it becomes part of like I know for my mother like it was like she uh she just knew that she didn't want to lose her kid and that's what started changing her mind um and for so many other people it starts with that very personal connection well yes exactly yes and and for example, when I, I, I b- besides creating the content, I actually wanted to create this group called J4, uh, mm-hmm. that is based in John 4, one of my favorite chapter in the Bible, uh, yeah. when Jesus goes against every system, um, moral, religious, even political system. Uh, so I created this group because besides educate, educating people, you have to support yes. uh, and you have to yes embrace and you have to 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 basically be in there for those i will say young people because in my case in my particular case most people that reach me out are below 25 years old like mm, right right so, right so 
I have this group that we had to meet online because it was unsafe for us to actually meet in person because the government will think that we're planning to do something against them. So uh, we had to, yes. So we had to start uh, meeting online and we tried to, to be a community at least uh, in a virtual Mm -hmm. form because at, at this particular point, every People that is in this group is all over the world. Uh, only mm. two or three stay in Nicaragua, but most people actually that I know, Christians or not, gays, uh, lesbian, not uh, almost every people that I know is not in Nicaragua right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, like, um, if someone was uh, to like ask about like what like your vision, like long term for your work would be, like what would you, what are you, what are your hopes for like J four and your work and just for queer folks in Nicaragua and in Latin America overall? Um, to uh, I have really specific goal. For example, in this year, I just want to work uh, and meet other leaders that are emerging in Latin America uh, because I know. Uh, people from, for example, from El Salvador or from Paraguay here in Argentina. Uh, but the thing is that they don't have much visibility and actually they are not that much organized. So, uh, and I'm the only one that is actually creating content. They are just like mm-hmm. uh, meeting face to face and trying to create a community, uh, but they don't know how to start educating people and start engaging in conversations with leaders and churches and or the regular folks. So uh, in this, this year, I actually want to... to to get to know this leader and organize with them. So how we can create even more content, content in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And also my dream is like to come back to Nicaragua and just start conversations with churches there and to create an even bigger community that we can actually get together and be safe and just uh, mm-hmm. celebrate every one of our identities. Mm. It'll happen. It's going to happen. Yes. I believe it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to. So I also know that you have a Patreon that people can support so that they can actually start getting, uh, you know, a content in Spanish in the hands of people who need it. And B, uh, also help you support your livelihood because so that you can actually go from just like, because I know that you are like many of us, like you work a regular job and you also do all the other stuff on top of that, right? Yes. Actually, uh, back in Nicaragua, I work freelance <laughs> because I worked, my, my day job is digital marketing. So I was able to actually manage my time. But when I came here, of course, I had to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. So I had to, to get that eight to five job. <gasps> and yes. <laughs> so uh, I launched this Patreon page because I really would love to have much more time to just create the videos that you know because you do it the same you know that it takes a lot of work and a lot of Mm -hmm. time so uh i would love to just spend at least i don't know my ideal would be like to work this on this full time but at least i don't know 60 or 70 percent of my time just creating content just writing just making this video just connecting with other leaders Mm -hmm. um so yes um if you you believe in this cause, if you want to to partner with me with and just support the work that we're doing in Latin America, go to my Patreon page. I, I would love yeah. to to 
to have your support. Yes. That was my conversation with Carla Sofia, a.k.a. La Mechuda. If you haven't already, you can follow her on the internet at lamechuda.com and at lamechuda across all social media. That's L-A-M-E-C-H-U-D-A. And on top of that, um, she is, like me, an independent creative. And so if you want to support her work of creating basic, you know, videos, blogs, podcasts about the queer Christian experience in Espanol, I I cannot recommend. If you're, if you're not going to support me, please Actually, you know, if you want to, like, forget supporting me, go support Carla Sofia. She is probably one of the only people in Latin America who's doing this kind of work, creating content and videos to support queer Christians in Latin America. So I am such... She's a blessing in so many ways. So if you haven't already, go to patreon.com slash lamechuda. Learn more about her. Even throwing five bucks her way makes a lot of difference to her. So let's go ahead and get her funded, you guys. This is what the family of God is about. This is what queer family does for each other. We rally and support the projects that mean something. And y'all, this really does mean something. So Carla, thank you so much for being on the show today. Te quiero mucho. And I'll talk to you soon, baby. A Tiny Revolution is supported by 129 people on Patreon, and like I just said, it's the easiest way for you to support the creatives in your life that are making the content that matters. So if you like this podcast, if you think conversations like this are important, please go to patreon.com slash thekevingarcia to learn how to become a sustaining partner and take advantage of the numerous perks we've got going on over there. Um, also, if you don't have the coins to throw my way, my favorite thing you could do is probably to leave me a little thing in iTunes, a little five-star review. Do it right in your app. It's super-duper simple, and it takes no time whatsoever to leave some love for the pod. And it's the best way to get this in front of other people. So I'm really hoping to continue to grow this that way. That's pretty much all for me. I'm going to be in Orlando in two weeks for the Reformation Project National Leadership Cohort. So if you're down there, I'll see you there. I'm also going to be in LA next week. So if you're in LA, be my friend. Hit me up. Let's go somewhere. Let's have some fun. This beat is sick. I want to take a ride on your disco stick. Who remembers that jam? I do. I am done talking. I love you so much. Please be sure to follow me across social media at the Kevin Garcia. Go subscribe to the blog so you can download my free ebook called Forever and Yesterday, a collection of essays. Go to queerlybeloved.shop. Get your shirts on. Get your sweaters on. Get your girl. The crop tops are coming. The tank tops are coming for summer. And if you're not on that mailing list to get 10% off, honey, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm done talking now. Seriously. I love you. You're amazing. Uh, So until next time, make sure you go see your therapist, drink some water, take your meds, uh, move your body, eat something delicious. Um, Make sure you're taking some, you know, some allergy medication so you can enjoy the great outdoors. I get two pumps of nasal next in my nose every day and I am good to go, honey. Let me tell you. (laughs) That was was so much. All right. This has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution. My name is Kevin Garcia and I'll talk to you soon, babe. Bye. Bye.